Hello everyone, my name is Simon Carver and welcome to Dagnall Street Baptist Church's podcast service for Sunday the 23rd of April. Today we are looking at the story of the two disciples who were going back home on the Sunday after Jesus had been crucified. They'd heard stories that suggested that Jesus was alive, but they were confused and sorrowful at what had happened to their rabbi. Our music this week is mostly made up of songs that we sing in church, but somewhere in the middle you'll also hear a song by Diana Ross, which comes from the musical Mahogany. Some notices. Today's on-site service at 10.30am is an all-age messy church and all are welcome. The funeral service for our dear sister Sheila Fricker will take place at 2.20 on Wednesday the 3rd of May at West Hart's Crematorium and all are welcome. And now our call to worship, some verses from Psalm 116. I love the Lord because he hears my voice and my prayer for mercy. Because he bends down to listen, I will pray as long as I have breath. Death wrapped its ropes around me. The terrors of the grave overtook me. I saw only trouble and sorrow. Then I called on the name of the Lord. Please, Lord, save me. What can I offer the Lord for all he has done for me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and praise the Lord's name for saving me. I will keep my promises to the Lord in the presence of all his people. The Lord cares deeply when his loved ones die. O Lord, I am your servant. Yes, I am your servant born into your household. You freed me from my chains. I will offer you a sacrifice of thanksgiving and call on the name of the Lord. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people, in the house of the Lord, in the heart of Jerusalem. Praise the Lord.
We come to you today, Lord, with the events of Easter still fresh in our minds. We still have our questions. We wonder how we can join the dots, learn the best way to live the life we're called to. Open our eyes, Lord, so that we might see the stranger in our midst. Give us openness to listen to their stories. Remind us that we just never know when we might come across Jesus, our friend, our Lord and Master. Open our eyes and our hearts, Lord. Amen. A reading from the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 24. That same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. He asked them, What are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short, sadness written upon their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, You must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened there the last few days. What things? Jesus asked. The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles, and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. We had hoped he was the Messiah who'd come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. Then some women from our group of his followers were at his tomb early this morning, and they came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing, and they'd seen angels who told them, Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran out to see, and sure enough, his body was gone, just as the women had said. Then Jesus said to them, You foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. By this time they were nearing Emmaus and the end of their journey. Jesus acted as if he were going on, but they begged him, Stay the night with us since it's getting late. So he went home with them. As they sat down to eat, he took the bread and blessed it. And then he broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And at that moment he disappeared. They said to each other, Didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? And within the hour they were on their way back to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven disciples and the others who'd gathered with them, who said, The Lord has really risen. He has appeared to Peter. There are a series of readings for Holy Week that I've sometimes used in church on Maundy Thursday or Good Friday, although the last reading is set for Easter Sunday. Each of the readings begin by telling us what Jesus did on a particular day. And this final reading points us to look at the mystery that is resurrection. It was on the Sunday that he pulled the corn. They arrived with flowers shuffling through the dawn as the dawn snuffed out the last candles of night. Their faces betrayed their belief that yesterday would always be better than tomorrow, despite what he said. 
He would not say it again, so why bother to believe him on that score? And the flowers, they too were silent witnesses to disbelief. Like the grass, they were cut to be dried to death, cut off from the root, the bulb, the source of life. He was the flower they cherished, the flower now perished, whose fate the lilies of the field, now tight in hand, would reenact. So when they passed the crouched figure at the edge of the road, they thought little of him, scarcely seeing his form through their tears. Had they looked even a little, they would have seen a man letting grain fall through his fingers, dropping to the earth to die, and yet to rise again. It was on the Sunday that he pulled the corn. In the 40 days between Easter and the Ascension, Jesus appeared to his disciples on a number of occasions. We read in the Gospel stories that Jesus appeared to Mary Magdalene when she had gone quietly to the garden tomb. He appeared in a room where the disciples were hiding out. He appeared in Galilee when the fishermen had returned to their old occupation. And later in the New Testament, Paul tells us about an otherwise unrecorded occasion when Jesus appeared at a gathering of 500 people. However, one of the strangest of the meetings that Jesus had with his followers was with two people about whom we know nothing. It is that familiar story of two companions on the Sunday after Jesus died, walking sadly away from Jerusalem towards their home in a village a few miles away. They were disciples of Jesus, perhaps two men, perhaps husband and wife, and they had seen their dream of a new world crushed as the life emptied from Jesus on a Roman cross. They had hoped for a world in which good would overcome evil, but the power of evil had been all too evident, as Jesus and their dreams died on Friday. Two days later, the Passover having ended, they were going home to pick up the pieces, and then they met a stranger. This man spoke to them about what God had done, what he was doing and what he had still to do. He spoke of the Messiah, not using proof texts like the rabbis they'd heard. Instead, he showed them that all the scriptures pointed to the destiny of God's Messiah. They had been expecting God to send someone who would fulfill the hopes of Jewish nationalism. He showed them that while what we call the Old Testament doesn't speak of a suffering, dying Messiah, it does speak of Israel's part in God's purposes coming through the suffering of the nation. The Old Testament tells the story of God's calling Israel and about her destiny to be a light for all the nations to know that her God is the God of all people. The stranger showed these sad disciples that the Messiah, as King of Israel, embodied in himself the vocation and destiny of the nation, and that as the people must suffer, so this was his destiny too. Sometimes Israel's suffering comes about through the tyranny of pagan empires. At other times it is a result of their own sin. And then Isaiah describes the suffering of the nation, God's servant, as a vicarious act on behalf of the world, for the purpose of bringing about God's salvation. And overarching all these situations over the course of Israel's history is the Exodus, the time when God freed his people from slavery in Egypt. The Exodus, celebrated annually by Jews for thousands of years in the festival that had been celebrated that very weekend, 
and the stranger brought all this to life as he showed how the Passover was central to how God dealt with sin and brought about salvation. Now, here and finally, he had dealt with sin with the blood not of a lamb, but with the blood of the Messiah. The Lamb of God is Jesus, God's only Son. And so the cross is not a source of dejection, but the central plank in God's plan of redemption. When they arrive at their home, the two disciples press the stranger to stay with them overnight as it's getting too dark. They invited him to eat with them, and as they reclined together for their meal, it was the stranger who took on the role of host and broke the bread and shared it with them. It was in this action, in his blessing and breaking the bread, that they recognised the stranger as Jesus, their crucified friend. But also they now saw that when he spoke about the redemptive suffering of the Messiah, he was speaking about himself. The church has generally used this story to show how the scripture needs to be interpreted, but more importantly, how Jesus is known in the breaking of bread at the Lord's Supper, celebrated daily, weekly, monthly or infrequently in churches of all traditions through time and around the world. And yet I think that we could question the way that this story has been used. In the passage that I read, Luke doesn't tell us the reaction of the disciples when they hear what the stranger has said to them. We know for sure that they were not aware that the stranger was Jesus, even after he had told them how it was necessary for the Messiah to suffer and die for the sins of the world. So if the stranger wasn't recognised as Jesus when he opened the scriptures, which showed that the Messiah was destined to suffer for the sins of the world, then when did they recognise him? They recognised him when he broke bread. Was this an echo for these disciples of the Last Supper? This might be so for the church as we remind ourselves whenever we celebrate the Lord's Supper that we do what Jesus did when he broke bread and we remember how he comes to us now in bread and wine. But what about for these disciples? It is unlikely that they would have had the same flash of recognition as they were not there on the night before Jesus died. If there was a remembrance of something Jesus had done in the past, who is to say that it was not one of the many occasions that he ate a meal with his friends when nothing remarkable happened? Perhaps when the stranger broke bread, they saw Jesus in an unremarkable event of everyday life. This story is said to be a particular favourite of clergy. In this passage, Jesus is the model of a faithful minister of God's word and sacraments. One preacher has claimed that the point of the Emmaus story is that we can recognise Jesus only in the broken bread. We might want to question this statement and point to Cleopas and his companion sensing a warming of their hearts as Jesus explained the scriptures. So how do we walk the road to Emmaus? There is no doubt that the story directs us to the church where we may encounter Jesus in the word and the sacraments but not to the church that's equated with the institution and Sunday worship. We're directed instead to the church that meets a very ordinary world, a world marked by human loss and human hospitality. We never hear of Cleopas again after this passage, and we never learn the name of his companion. They're not important people. They are ordinary people who have had the grand adventure of following Jesus and his disciples. But now that's over. 
and they're walking back home. With Jesus' death, they've lost their faith and their hope. They're not looking for him. In fact, they don't even recognize him when he joins them. And yet he chooses this place of loss to meet them. When he asks about their sorrow, they are so absorbed in that grief that they cannot believe that this person doesn't know about their own experience. They tell Jesus the story of his own ministry and death and add the dubious news of his resurrection. Because for them, the story is over. Their hopes have proven empty and they are defeated. But then Jesus tells the story back to them, this time through the lens of their own faith tradition and scriptures. Oh, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe. The story is not about them and their disappointment, he says. It's about life, the universe and everything in it. They respond to Jesus with hospitality, engaging him in conversation and expressing concern for him when he appears to be travelling beyond their stopping point. The day's over, they insist. It's getting dark. Come, eat with us and rest and be safe. At supper, when Jesus takes, blesses, breaks and gives them the bread, they recognise him and then almost immediately they lose him again because he vanishes. But the experience on the road and at table has transformed them and they immediately return to Jerusalem to find the disciples and the rest of their group. What makes the story remarkable is how unremarkable it is. We might have expected that Jesus would have appeared to the remaining 11 disciples, to the faithful women who followed him, and even to Paul, all very practical appearances in terms of establishing the church and its mission. But Cleopas and his companion are nobodies who have no idea what God might be doing. And in this they could be any one of us. Their road to Emmaus is an ordinary road, the road each of us is on every day. This is what sets this story apart from other accounts of Jesus' Easter appearances. Yes, the story resonates with a sense of the church and its mission and of the tremendous power of the word and the sacraments to connect us with the presence of God. But its image is of God and a church that walks alongside human confusion, human pain and a human loss of faith and hope. Emmaus invites us to expect God to find us. Emmaus challenges us to see that it isn't our unshakable faith and deep spirituality that connects us with the risen Christ, but our smallest gestures of hospitality and friendship. Is it only on a Sunday that we meet Jesus? We know that our answer to this question should be no, and that we can meet him like the saints of God in that children's hymn, in school or in lanes or at sea, in church or in trains or in shops or at sea. We can hear his voice in the cries of the children living in poverty. We can hear his voice anew in the familiar words of scripture. We can meet Jesus on a Sunday and when we read the scriptures, but as these two disciples showed, we can also fail to see him, even when we read of him. But like these two disciples, we can meet him in the ordinary, the everyday, the mundane, through which God speaks to us, the mundane which Jesus makes special. But just as we can fail to see him on a Sunday, the ordinary can remain ordinary to us if we don't see and hear with the ears and eyes of faith. People must believe what they can 
writes George MacDonald. And those who believe more must not be hard on those who believe less. Faith is a gift. We don't produce it ourselves, we receive it. And we certainly can't brag about having more of it than other people do. I find comfort in what MacDonald says. I find even more comfort in the fact that Jesus passed through the Garden of Gethsemane on his way to the cross and that the disciples were surprised and terrified when they first met the risen Christ. This sense of surprise, shock even, is brilliantly portrayed by Caravaggio in his supper at Emmaus that he painted more than 400 years ago. This is the image on the front of this week's service sheet and it's the second week running that I've chosen a Caravaggio painting. Caravaggio painted the most extraordinarily vivid scenes from the life of Jesus and yet there's something missing from this picture and it caused something of a stir in his day. And this is that he portrayed Jesus without his traditional beard. Someone has also pointed out that there's something else missing and this is that as it is a painting there is no sound. While there's a sense of motion in the gesture of the figure on the right, the action has been frozen and there's no sound. What was Jesus saying when the disciples recognized him? What did the landlord say? We're forced to hear what the picture is saying by looking more closely at it. At least the first disciples did finally grasp this fact after Jesus met them in flesh and blood and through the power of his presence among them, opened their minds to understand the scriptures. It was only in his presence that their minds were prepared to be opened, and then they understood everything written about the Christ, in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms. Then and only then did the tumblers fall into place. The Messiah had to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day. Then and only then, did they realize the significance of the fact that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. They realized too that they were the witnesses to all these things, witnesses sent by Christ because they had been in his presence, these two ordinary people. The gospel story is full of people failing to believe and being startled and shocked by Jesus. Jesus, the stranger who met these two disciples on the road home. God meets us where we are. And God gives us the faith we need to deal with life. One of the most surprising aspects of faith is that it never does become our possession if we pay attention to Luke in his story of Jesus and in his Acts of the Apostles, this shouldn't surprise us. The disciples who meet Jesus after his resurrection are surprised and amazed. The disciples who then go forth into the world as his witnesses still struggle from time to time with trusting God as God continues to open to them new resurrected realities. For example, the inclusion of Gentiles in the faith of Jesus Christ. One final thought with which to finish. Frederick Buchner once observed that faith is on again, off again, rather than once for all. Faith is not being sure where you're going, but going anyway.
Let us pray. Lord, for the times we hear the scriptures and our hearts don't burn within us, be with us, stay with us, forgive us. When we don't recognise Jesus in our midst because we're just not looking, be with us, stay with us, forgive us. When we are too blind to see you in the simple things, be with us, stay with us, forgive us. When we're too wrapped up in ourselves to break bread together, be with us, stay with us, forgive us. When we don't treat strangers with the respect they are due or look the other way, be with us, stay with us, forgive us. Jesus was with the two on the road to Emmaus working in their lives even though they didn't know it. Jesus is with us on our road working in our lives even when we don't feel it. Lord Jesus, you spoke on that road through the simple action of breaking bread. Speak to us now through your divine forgiveness. Lord, as we go out into this new week, may we recognise Jesus in everyone we meet. May our whole lives be a beacon of praise and thanksgiving, pointing to the one we love. May we take every chance we get to talk about what you mean to us and show our love. As we share with each other, we get to know each other better and we grow stronger. And you, O oh God, are revealed in a multitude of ways. And so we give you our thanks, Lord. Amen. On the journey to Emmaus, with our hearts cold as stone, the one who would save us had left us alone. Then a stranger walks with us, and to our surprise, he And our hearts burned within us as we talked on the way How all that was promised was ours on that day So we begged him stay with us and grant us your word We welcomed the stranger and we welcomed the
last song speaks of journeying with Jesus but first a final prayer Lord as we go from here walk with us inspire us to join the dots of our faith to see more clearly the wonder of the Easter story motivate us to share that story with others and encourage us to live and work with you and in you Amen Travel through the back.